When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. This is the big preview show for the NC State game. And we're recording it way early because there it's it's <laughs> what a long time from now. It's we got a bye weekend coming up, and and it's time to kind of for the team to take a break, and it's kind of time for Catherine, our editor, to take a little break. She's a little tired, so we're going to give her a, a, a one episode shot of break, and then she'll pick this one up. So here's what's going to happen. I'm I'm letting Mr. Manning take take off on this one because he didn't get a chance to talk on the blitz and we're going to let Brian take a shot at opening this and Brian go ahead. First of all, good evening fellas. Uh, you you're talking about a bye week. I think that's a good bye week for us and for all of Hokie Nation from having to watch losing bad football for the past month. So I think it comes at the perfect time for all of us, but no uh about about Saturday's game it was a horrible thing to watch for about three quarters and five minutes. And then the offense finally showed life. And, and it was, it was kind of exciting there at the end. I think if we had had a little bit more time, I think Miami's Miami are such chokers. I think if we had a little bit more time, we may have won that game. Crazy to think, but as far as our defense, I was encouraged by the defense because we were shredded. And I know Jay and I were talking back and forth a lot in the first half and we were kind of making fun of what was going on on the field, but, in the second half, it was completely different, which I attribute to coaching because we it shows we made some adjustments. Um, and a big thing that I saw that I continue to be encouraged about is the influx of the younger players. Mansoor Delane stood out to me against North Carolina. He is my favorite. I mean, of all the class, he's my favorite. I love watching him. He is a true guy. When we think back to the guys who built what we call DBU at Virginia Tech, Mansoor Delane fits that profile. And I hope some of these other young guys fit that profile as well. And and it's, it's for the coaches. It's not just it's not about, you know, just playing younger guys because they're young guys. We need to play the best guys. And and I'm convinced that the young guys are the best guys. And as far as guys like Chapman, I think Chapman's a good player. I think Chapman's been out of position for a while because of, out of necessity because we haven't had good corners. And I saw some fun things with 
We saw DJ Harvey in the slot. We saw Cam Johnson and Delane on the outside. Jalen Stroman at safety. A lot of fun things we saw last weekend, and, and it's no coincidence we played better. But I'm encouraged by that. And on the offensive side of the ball, uh, my biggest takeaway, is, as you guys saw my article this week, was when I was listening to the press conference, and Brent Pry, who is a nice guy, pretty much called out his offensive coordinator. He he did it in the nicest way possible, but he pretty much stated, hey, you got to make sure the right guys are on are in the lineup, and we can't be vanilla. When, when your own head coach is calling you out in the media for being vanilla, that's not a good thing. What's you guys' thoughts on what Price said? Jay, what, what's your thoughts? Yeah, when we recorded our, our Blitz podcast, we hadn't had a chance to hear that or digest that yet. And I was, one, I think like you, surprised because it's not often that you see public statements like that. And I think that was, one, I imagine that he and, and Coach Bowen had conversations prior to that and afterwards, but I think that was also him being irritated you know, like that's what happens when he gets irritated. So that was kind of like a, a bit of a maybe an emotional response, but also I think a, a warm blanket for the Hokie Nation to kind of wrap themselves in like, hey, don't worry, we're going to hold ourselves responsible. And the vanilla comment stood out to me the most as well. Like that was a shot across the bat, like our offense is vanilla and it can't be, we don't have the personnel for that. So acknowledging the talent and athletic gap that we have right now on the field and then saying point blank, like, I also think it was kind of a call out to uh, upperclassmen that aren't performing like, okay, like it's time for us to start, you know, looking at other options and putting other players on the field. You talk about upperclassmen. Did you guys notice the difference Alan Tisdale made by playing alongside Dax? How much better we were because of that? That's not a knock on the younger guys because they're still, we got first and second year guys, but Alan Tisdale made a difference. Yeah, that's one thing that I did want to mention that we didn't take note of. This is Tizzy's first really big game back, and he did make a huge difference in the middle of the field. Having that speed back in the middle of the field made a really big difference in covering under the zone. It got, God love him, Dax. You, you, you love a guy with the heart and, and the soul and, and the football brain, but Dax is not as fast, and he was covering guys deep coming out of the back. He didn't have to do that this time. He could concentrate on being a Mike, and he didn't have to be an outside linebacker. And Tisdale took care of that from then on. And it made a huge difference, especially in the second half, especially when when Van Dyke started to get pushed and he started to have problems locking into a receiver and he kept throwing the ball up. So th- that's you know kind of the thing that we, we're, we need to see next week, right? Next Thursday night. We need to see that again, don't we? We need to see that defense come out again because why? We were talking about it in our warm-up before we started recording. NC State Wolfpack is missing their lead quarterback. They're missing their starting quarterback. Leary went down with a torn pectoral muscle. And regardless of what we think of modern medical science, that is a hell of a bad injury. That is terrible. And and the surgery is going to be tough. And the recovery is going to be torturous. I can guarantee you it's going to be really hard. I don't know if you guys remember when uh, we let in the COVID year, 2020, we let off the season with NC State and Blacksburg. That was a Khalil Herbert's like breakout game, but Devin Leary was hurt then. So we didn't have to face him. We had to, fa- I can't remember that guy's name, but that guy we, that we were playing that week was horrible. I have no idea. That looks like a guy we, that looks like a guy Virginia Tech would get to play quarterback. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, ouch. Uh, that, ouch. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a burn oh, I don't oh. want to have. So yeah, somebody but, get the aloe. <laughs> yeah, so we won by like three touchdowns or four touchdowns. I can't remember the exact score, but Leary what Leary not playing was a big big reason for that. Yeah, so we're, we're we're looking at NC State right now, and although they have a really really good defense, and our offense is hopefully waking up a little bit. You know that foot in the butt might give Bowen a little push, and you know I don't know. But NC State right now is going to be vulnerable. There, there's just no two ways about it. They're missing their critical key element, aren't they? I'll say this: they they've built up a good program there with Dave Dorn. I, I laughed at that guy at first. I, never would I thought he would have been a good coach at this level, but he's built a good program, and they were they were kind of an also ran when he took over and. He's done it the right way. He's built it at the line of scrimmage. I mean, their offensive line's always good. Their defensive line's always good. They're both they're putting offensive linemen and defensive linemen in the pros. That's how you win. I mean, ultimately load up on the in the front. And we're we're starting I think we'll do that under Rudolph. I'm I'm a little worried about JC Price being able to recruit at this level. That's just a fact. We all love JC, but I I don't I'm not sure yet. But Doran's done a good job building that program. So I still think even with the backup quarterback, I still don't like our chances. No, I think we're we're still south of fifty fifty, but south of fifty fifty and closer to fifty fifty is way better than we were going to get dubbed. So uh, you know, at this point, we're going to have to look at the details in the next two segments. But at this point, uh, you know, we've got a shot. It uh, it's not big, but we have a shot, and people can't lose heart. Even if we show up and play a good game and really make it a contest like we did with Miami finally, there's a little measure of respect there and a little measure of pulling it up and getting it off the field without having left a bunch out there, right? I think I would be very surprised if we did not see some significant personnel shuffling or changes, maybe a little bit of updates on the offense because, man, when your boss publicly says that, like, you better make some changes. His boss said that. And, you know, they're acquaintances too. So like his acquaintance and his boss were like, dude, you got to play better. This is on you. I would expect to see some changes. Go ahead, Brian. What I was going to say, I, I want to revisit something before we took the break. I, I, I mentioned earlier, Devin Leary was hurt in 2020 and he was hurt. He didn't start, but he did come in in relief in the second half of that game and threw a touchdown. That's what made the game closer. We ended up winning like 45-24, but he came in later. That The guy that started that game, I went and looked it up, was uh, ba- uh, Bailey Hockman. He was like 7 of 16. He was horrible through two interceptions, but I, I just wanted to kind of clear that up. Leary did play the last time, but it was in relief because he was hurt. Yeah. So, okay, we're going to come back in just a, a second or two here, and maybe immediately. It depends on whether our friends at the podcast but it, it it megaphone stick a commercial in. So we'll be back after these commercial messages. We're back and we were just talking about NC State. It kind of wandered into the topic of the detail conversation here. We're trying to talk about the NC State offense as it sort of presents itself in the Virginia Tech defense. So I'm going to throw it up. Who wants to talk about the NC State offense? I was going to let, let Jay handle that, but we'll start out here. As far as the when I, I look at their strength, it looks like they're, they're, they're a good running team. Jordan Houston is a guy that we, the Hokies, wanted at one time. Or they're, they're leading rusher. He has 304 yards on the season. They don't have, like, one guy with huge numbers. They were built around the passing game with Leary, but that changes now with, with Jack Chambers in charge. But Chambers is a guy who who's a smaller guy who can run, and we know – what that means for our defense, even even though Bud's not here anymore, that was always Bud's Achilles heel. But they got a, an athletic quarterback, a little guy 
who's going to run, run, run. That also makes your running game more effective, too. So that, that concerns me. He's not going to be nearly the accurate downfield passer that Leary is, but definitely a good player and something that we, we know running quarterbacks are a problem. We saw it earlier this year in a game where I don't recall the game at the moment. It was Drake May, obviously. Yeah, it was Drake May who ran all over us. And so I don't think Chambers is May as the passer, but he's certainly more dynamic as a runner. Jay, what's your thoughts when, when you first see NC State's offense? Same thing. The first thing I looked at was that, well, here's my first thought. Since Leary has gone down, they haven't scored a touchdown. They've only scored field goals. I think that we probably won't be as fortunate because they get two weeks to try and warm Chambers up. I don't expect that you're going to see him trying to repeat what Leary was doing, but I do think that they're going to be watching that Pitt film closely and taking a look at how Pitt was able to kind of open up wounds in our defensive line and and take advantage of that. It really helps having Tisdale and Garbutt back because that's going to be much more difficult for them. But I think the rushing attack is going to be our biggest problem. And their their other rusher, uh, Demi, I'm going to butcher this name, Sumo Carnabe, <laughs> he's also not too bad. So they definitely have like a running back by committee. Neither one of them have like stellar yards because they split time carrying the ball, but they have solid yards per carry. But I think the biggest thing is going to see Chambers coming out of the backfield. I think he's going to scramble more often than not, and they'll probably try to develop some sort of shorter passing game with him. But the fact that they get two weeks to to prepare for us, I think is going to make them a little bit more offensively threatening than we've seen them be since Leary got hurt two weeks ago. Yeah, I think you'll see a lot of uh, of the zone read, the RPO stuff with with the quarterback chambers in there but in the, in the extra time to prepare is a little bit scary because they're going to throw wrinkles at us that we didn't prepare for so that's cool you know i think our sh- coach has shown they can adjust but you don't want to adjust again down 14 nothing down 21 nothing yeah just one last thing is that chambers protects the ball right so he's more like well just based on the limited what we saw like syracuse has got a pretty good defense actually they're a surprise defense and florida state's defense isn't too shabby either and he did a good job protecting the ball by and large. So I don't. I would hope that we'd be able to kind of force some errors maybe, but I actually don't think our defense is good as Syracuse's or Florida State's. So I think we're not going to have as much luck trying to confuse him. So he's smart. He holds onto the ball when he should. He doesn't just try to like throw it in the air and make something happen. Yeah, as we transition over our defense and I start bringing up the, the issue of the LPD and the lunch pail and how it appeared and then suddenly disappeared that i'm not too sure about and the reason why i'm not too sure about is i'm having an argument with myself over pry and how pry needs i think i'm pretty solid on it pry needs to bow out he needs to go away i mean he needs to go be a head coach not go away from the team he needs to go away from chris marv and let chris marv run his defense and shut up and go see if he can help tyler bowen beef up the offense. I think Marv is a good enough student and a smart enough guy that he can run the defense. I saw a lot of good things happen in the second half with our defense. I saw Tisdale finally getting a chance to get loose and start making plays. I saw Dax in the backfield a lot. I saw a lot of good closing, and I saw quite a few different defensive line players. It wasn't just the same guys. It, they were rotating people in and out, and people were get, staying fairly fresh. I saw Garbutt get in there and drive that outside tackle nuts uh, and, and put some get some serious corralling pressure. Now, it's kind of hard with a big, huge kid to, to, to get that kind of corral going. But if you can keep a, a quarterback contained in the pocket 
and close the door on the front of the pocket and you get a shorter quarterback. It's going to make him less effective throwing the ball because he's going to have trouble finding throwing lanes. So us getting direct internal pressure and maybe getting a few sacks would be nice. But what I want to see is I want to see them having to go one-dimensional, and that means having to run, which means that they're playing to our defensive strength at this point because we can actually stop a decent running game. Now, yes, everybody's going to go, oh, well, what about Pitt? And I'm like, that is an aberration. Israel Abanakanda is a complete, he's going to the pros. He won't finish his four years at Pitt, probably, okay? I, 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 yeah, don't, don't make me bet on it, but he's going to be out at the end of his sophomore year because he's going to go get paid, and he's going to get paid a lot of money. So I see our defense right now presenting itself as a, you know, as a step up if they can repeat what they did with Miami. But the big thing that I, I can see, and, and then I'll let you guys finish, the big thing that I can see is Brent Pry has to get the guts up to go be a head coach and stop calling the defense. He needs to let go of his security blanket and go do his job. So that's just my feeling on the on the issue. So, okay, Jay. I think there's some truth to that, John. I think that his focus on the defense is important. That's his baby. That is where he's comfortable. But I wonder if that's kind of like hurting the offense. I don't know if you guys saw. Well, we'll talk about it next uh, when we talk about the offense, but it would be nice to see him being able to spread his attention elsewhere, particularly because, like Brian's mentioned a couple times, they're pretty junior, right? This is their first time being coordinators. And especially since he's called Bowen out, like there's an obligation right there, a personal and professional obligation, like to provide guidance at that point. So hopefully we're going to see that. You're up there, Brian. I piggyback off everything Jay said. As far as Pry wanting to get more involved with the offense, I agree with you. I, this is where I thought the whole time that he should have hired more experience on the offensive side of the ball. I, I had no problem with Bowen as if you want to bring him in as a high, as a higher paid tight ends coach. I don't know that how you justified that salary as an offensive coordinator in the first place because he's really somebody said he was a coordinator at Penn State for like half a year or something. Well. It's because he, he's coaching there with a whole lot better talent. So they're generally more talented than the teams they're playing. But I don't know. The, Brad Glenn is, is an experienced coach, but not at this level. So I do think that he should have brought in more experience. And, and you know, there's always the route of hiring a we, – we throw this around every year and it gets old, but a Jerry Keel type, not Jerry Keel, but a Jerry Keel type of a, for an out-of-work coach to come in and kind of consult for a couple of hundred thousand until – he finds his next gig or he's an older guy who's done as far as being a head coach. You know, there's just ways you can do it. And I think that's something he really should look into because he he needs the Bowen obviously needs the help. Yeah. Yeah. Do what Alabama did, right? Hire offensive yeah. analysts. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. He needs, he needs the help. That's the whole thing. He needs the help. He needs to be down on the field, not up in the booth. And he needs the help. So we'll be back in a second, and we're going to flip-flop, and we're going to talk about Tech offense and the NC State defense, which is really good. Hey, folks, thanks for joining us today for this episode of Talking Turkey, presented by SB Nation's Gobbler Country. If you haven't already, like and follow us on Facebook, check us out on Twitter, at Gobbler Country, and check out the website, gobblercountry.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. Before the break, we were talking about the NC State offense and the Virginia Tech defense. Now we want to turn things around and look at the Virginia Tech offense, which <laughs> there's a lot to talk about there, and the uh, NC State defense, which is a pretty good unit. Jay, wanna, let's give your initial thoughts on, on this matchup as far as NC State's defense. 
Well, when you take a look at NC State's defense, they are loaded at the line and at linebacker. I'm actually surprised they haven't had more sacks. They've only had eight sacks on the year, but they've had 11 interceptions, 25 passes defended, and they are one of the best defenses in the league at stopping the passing game. I think they're in the top 20. So Virginia Tech's passing woes are probably going to be front and center again, but I will say that if fourth quarter Virginia Tech's offense shows up, we've got a better chance. But this is most certainly a situation where Virginia Tech's weakness is matched up against NC State's strength. And it is the best defense that Virginia Tech is going to face this year. The things that I think are very encouraging One is Malachi Thomas out of the backfield. So Malachi Thomas was our leading receiver against Miami, right? Leading receiver and our leading rusher, which is cool. That probably doesn't happen if Lofton and Smith don't drop some pretty key passes. But Malachi Thomas had his own drop, but by and large, he was very reliable catching out of the backfield. And he did it for quite a bit, right? Like his touchdown was a, what, a 14-yard pass? So I see a relationship developing over the last two games between Grant Wells and Malachi Thomas on the field where Wells knows that he can depend on Thomas. And once again, right, Thomas does open the running game up, which is going to be critical. We're really going to have to lean on Thomas to keep the NC State line honest, because if they just sit there and start coming after Wells and we don't make them pay, it's going to be a long night. It doesn't matter how bad their offense is. Their defense is much better. (laughs) So they'll be able to take control of the game. This is definitely, I think, going to be one of those where turnovers play a key part. If we lose the turnover battle, that might be the deciding factor. And this is all assuming that fourth quarter Virginia Tech shows up. If first half Virginia Tech offense shows up, the game's done. Like, we don't have to worry about anything because that's some of the worst football that we've seen all season. Oh, oh the three and out machine? Yeah, what was it? Seven out of eight possessions? Seven was either out of eight possessions, three and or out, a, or, a, or, a out or whatever. Yeah, or the fumble. Yeah. I mean, I, you know. After, I, after was, such a good start, you know, after such a good start. Yeah, oh, it, was a, it was a great start. I mean, I thought I almost dropped the camera. I'm like, because they immediately got past the bench. And of course, I have to stop at the at the 15-yard line. And I can't really, you know, jump out in the middle of the field and take pictures. And then suddenly it was like, hey, wait, the ball was out. And then I am I was on the way back to the other side of the field. And and here here I am having to double back and get back because of the fumble. And, 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 um, and, and it was like, what the heck happened? We were doing so well. And here's the deal that I see with, with our offense, because we're going to we talked about their defense, how our offense, it's going to have to work in order to, to show up and, and, and do well. Yeah, it cannot be any offense that we've demonstrated before the fourth quarter of the Miami game. This offense is going to have to be quick. Now, you didn't see and one, one thing in the end of the Miami game is you didn't see a whole lot of that stop-start stuff and look over to the sideline and have them call audibles. There wasn't time for that. So guess what? They were running the play that was called. And, you know, play. Uh, there's always a play in an audible. If you call a play, you always have an audible for a play. And they were calling that play. And in the audible or the switch off was usually something like Grant Wells pulling the ball down and running. And he was doing a good job of running. And guess what? That's what they're going to have to do in this one. They're going to have to go back to a Bowling Green read option. And they're going to actually have to run the ball. And they're going to have to do really funky stuff running the ball. They're going to have to choose on the merge. They're going to have to read. They're going to have to be smart. They might have, you know, I'm sure that they got some RPOs in their pile 
They're going to have to exercise some of those RPOs to get over the line to, to the running back, you know, so that so that you fake the handoff to the running back and then he gets through the line because the quarterback still has the ball and everybody freezes and then the quarterback flips the ball to the running back on the other side of the line. That kind of action is what's going to be necessary. They're going to have to take advantage of the speed and power of the NC State inside and in, in, inside the box. And that means getting them to overcommit. That means like screens, that's like tunnel screens, not, not slow moving. It's going to have to be a fast offense. They're going to have to they're going to have to get up to the line of scrimmage and hit and go. And I don't know. I, I'm hoping they can do that because that's what they did in the fourth quarter. I'm hoping they can do that. And Tyler Bowen really is going to have to refrain from not trusting his quarterback and just let him go. And I think that's that's something that I did not bring up in my article coming up. And there's a big tome out, you know, my midseason review. Every year I do one huge, big midseason review. And my midseason review is coming out. I didn't talk about it as much because I wanted to talk about it on pod. And that is the first thing that this entire team has to do, this coaching staff has to do, is it has to put aside the old thinking or actually this this modern quote unquote postmodern thinking they need to go back to trusting their players i'm sorry you cannot run a college football team at the top level without trusting your players to take the right decision what do you and, mean john i what what like what are you seeing that makes them not trust their players besides i mean there's I, good reason uh, for some it, of those it's, situations it's on the audible, field. yeah it's the audible at the line of scrimmage where everybody runs up to the line of scrimmage and stands there because this is where all the penalties are happening and then somebody signals something from the line and everybody stops and looks back at the bench and they wigwag they have the pizza googly eye walkie guy board and they start signaling things in and they got the little curtain that the you know is it's stupid you call a play you run the play you dictate to the defense that this is what i'm going to do and you make the defense react to you after the fact you don't try to react to the because then what's going to happen is the defense is just a good defense is going to line up any old way they want to or in their base defense and as soon as you make your commit and and you and you audible your wigwag in, they're going to shift out of that and go go adjust to you. I don't know if you watch America's game. There was a, the one about the Pittsburgh. One of the Pittsburgh Steelers wins. Of course, the Steelers were my favorite team. Dwight White said something about all of the motion and movement and all that other signal calling. You know, and he was probably one of the best defensive linemen that ever played the game. And he said, "I don't care what you jumping around and everything else, messing around." He said, you got to set one second before you snap the ball. And that's my opportunity. You know, that's so are you when, saying that, like they should let them call audibles at the line? Yep. Is that what you're saying? Yep. It's yeah. time. It's, it's time. Let the quarterback read what's going on and let the quarterback call the audible at the line of scrimmage and go. I want to see snaps that are from the time you hit the ball until the time the ball is out of the quarterback's hands or the run has it executed is four seconds, five seconds. I don't want any more of this weeding around unless you're trying to burn clock at the, you know, like a forced four. We have throw. never been in a position to burn clock. No, we haven't. <laughs> it, it, well, I think cannot afford that. Go ahead. I think you're going to see a lot more out of Grant Wells coming out. In the next, for the rest of the season, especially with what we saw in the fourth quarter, because a lot of his best plays that he made with his legs 
where because the play didn't develop the way it needed to, and he just made it happen. That first touchdown happens because Grant Wells dragged that offense kicking and screaming down the field, regardless of how it was performing, and then was finally able to hit Malachi Thomas. Yep. And the second one was him running. That was a broken play. And it was two reads and nobody was open, and he just took off with the ball and dragged the defensive backs into the end zone with him. You know, that took some stone. You know, he yeah, did, he did a nice job. What do you know. think, Brian? What you percolating on over there? Oh, not much. Listen to uh, you guys explain it away. I'm all good here. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but, uh, you know, we've been through this a no- number of times, and we're going to be through it a number more times. Right now, college football is falling into a pattern, just like hiring fired coaches. You know, there's just like everybody running Bowling Green read options or air raids, just like everybody doing what everybody else is doing. This team can't do that, what? can they? <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking yeah. about? What do you mean? Everybody falls into a pattern. It's like everybody wants to remake, you know, superhero movies because they can't think of anything else to do. So they just fall into a pattern. Well, this team can't afford to do that. This team's got to innovate. This coaching staff needs to innovate staff because, okay, we can't, like I said, in the, you know, as we wrap up, we cannot keep walking into haymakers. We won't recruit people if we keep walking into haymakers. We have to get some wins down. We have to make ourselves known that we can win, that we can help you. We can. I think we have a shot against NC State. I do. I actually think we have a better shot against NC State. Surprisingly enough, because that was the game that I pretty much pegged as a pretty sure loss. But I think if fourth quarter Virginia Tech shows up, we got a shot. Yeah. And the quarterback being out was a huge thing. It's yeah, it tilts in our definitely. favor. Hey, you take, <laughs> but, you that, take but nobody. When, but that doesn't show in the win loss column. It doesn't show no, that uh, doesn't. A, a great quarterback misses the game. You just look back at the year and say we beat NC State Raleigh. So yeah, yeah. And, and so so that's where we're going to leave this. Is is we beat NC State and Raleigh. So let's go through our predictions real quick. I'm not going to get any deeper than to say that right now. It looks like we're going to take a tough loss, but it was going to be a lot closer. But I'm not going to say one way or another whether or not we won't. And the reason why, and and we'll have to wait for my written prediction later on. And that's because I want to see what's going on. I want to see some football this weekend or stuff, you know, going on. It's just one of those things that I, I just think we really have a shot. And, and it might be close, but we have a shot. And I don't think the over-under on this game is going to be real high. I think we're going to have an over-under of less than 50. I think what concerns me, and Jay alluded to it earlier, is if we were just playing them on the Saturday after a Saturday with a new quarterback, I would feel like now they've got this time to prepare. They're going to throw some different wrinkles at us, and that worries me a little bit. But um, I, I believe, I don't look at their team and say, oh, they're going to dominate us as far as the lines. Their offensive line's re- really good, big group, good experienced group. But I, th- I think we can, ha- I don't think their outside playmakers are scary. Like Miami's guys were have some scary guys. But here's the thing about NC State, Miami. NC State is, it's like steak and sizzle kind of thing where, you know, Miami has the more talented guys, the showboats. NC State's well coached. They play hard, so that that's the kind of team that 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 we want to be and that we used to be. But no, I think I think we'll we'll hang in there. I don't know that I can predict a win right now, but maybe I will by this time next week. But I feel a lot better about this game than I did a couple of weeks ago for different reasons. Because Leary's out, and because I was encouraged by the the growth in that second half of that last game. 
We're, we're, I know it sounds like we're, we're reaching for things here. Perhaps we are because we need something to be optimistic about. But I, I do feel encouraged by some things that we've seen lately. Yeah, I would agree, especially that second half. The fact that we actually had adjustments that worked extremely well against a talented group of individuals like Miami. Their struggles aside, but there's talent and athleticism that we saw in the first half that simply doesn't exist on the roster for us right now. I think, though, it'll be very difficult for me to change my prediction from a from a loss to a win. We have a shot. Like I said, a fourth quarter Virginia Tech shows up and we get a couple other lucky draws. But I mean, it's just we're still undersized. They're not. You know, we're still a little bit slower. They're not particularly on defense. And I do think that they're their offense is going to be better against our defense than our offense is going to be against their uh, NC State's defense. And I think the game will be closer than we anticipated. I don't think we're going to get the break speed off of us, but I think it's probably another close loss. And once again, the Virginia Tech offense is going to have to demonstrate some consistency, right? Like, I I won't believe it until I see it. (laughs) Well, we'll leave it with that because I think that's where all three of us really are. We just won't believe it until we actually see it. But there is some hope. There is a little light at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully it's not the train. Yeah, I'm excited to see what the roster looks like, if they make any significant changes to who's starting. Yeah, you know, we'll probably see that next week. They'll probably they'll probably wait till next week before we see that. And maybe, you know, we'll put it up on the article, the stub article, when we post this up, see if we can get a picture of it, you know, a tweet or something, picture of the of the roster when they put it out. So... Guys, you know, this is typical of our conversations. It's always good. Just be great to be in the same room together with a beard. But what do we always leave everybody with? Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.